is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. I'm Josh Hedick filling in for Mike Gill here on a hump day Wednesday with Hunter Brody alongside here in the Matt Black Kia Studios on 97.3 ESPN. Middle of the week, and there's still a ton to talk about, of course. Jalen Hurd starting over Carson Wentz. We got Jeff Mosher back in the house today. Football at 4, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast, coming up at 4 o'clock. Jason Fitz, ESPN radio host, host from Spain and Fitz, 7 to 9 tonight. But you hear Jason first coming up at 3 o'clock here. We got to ask him about Hurts. And I also got to ask him about a couple things about, uh, for example, college football playoff rankings came out last night. Iowa State still rocketing up, even though they have two wins on their resume, which is strange. Uh, also, I don't know if you saw, but Jason Fitz apparently owns a Christmas-themed suit. I did not see that. Yeah, on his show last night, on the digital side, their one-hour show, he, he wore a full Christmas suit. So I have some questions for him about that. Okay, no doubt about it. I'm intrigued by his answers as well. When you get a hot minute, you can go look it up yourself during one of the breaks, and you'll... It's literally the first thing you see at the beginning of the show. Now, are you anti, or do you like it? Because I'm a loud guy. I like to be loud. I don't mind it. I like mind to make it. a statement. I don't so. mind it because it fits him. Okay, that's what I was going to say. That's kind of how I feel. Like I feel like if it fits your personality, I'm good with it. But I do have some questions about it. So. I'd like to see you in a Christmas suit. I think it would be a good look. Might have to be tailor tailored, but okay, you know. yeah. I'm, Maybe I'm like, Doug I'm, Peterson speaking to the media in a nice Santa suit. I would like to see Doug wear something that's not a a Eagles or Louisiana pullover. I would like to hear Doug Peterson say things that make sense, Josh. <laughs> that's another thing we got today. <laughs> I lost my mind, and it bothers me because I know heading into it that it's going to be miserable. So if I lose my mind to this degree, you know it's bad. Well. I almost lost my mind last night, and nobody wanted to come at me. So the text board is open at 609-403-0973. Because you and Mike posted a poll yesterday. Great poll, by the way. Thanks. I'm going to take credit, even though Gil was the one to post it. Ah, you can do whatever you want. doesn't bother me. Uh, there's only a couple hours left on this poll. And the poll question is, who is the most unlikable figure in Philadelphia currently? Howie Roseman or the field. Now, currently, it's 74% Howie Roseman. The fact that it's that high tells me how completely and utterly irrational people are. Because if you think Howie Roseman is any worse than John Middleton right now, you are out of your stinking mind. Because John Middleton is saying and doing things that make me not want to wear my Philly stuff anymore. I had to put all my Philly stuff away. I got to hide it from myself. I can't wear my Philly's hat. I can't wear my Philly's anything anymore. Because this guy is embarrassing. The Philadelphia Phillies are an embarrassment. Whether people want to like it or not, Howie Roseman brought you a Super Bowl. He was part of the hiring process of Doug Peterson and drafting Carson Wentz and building this team. But if you're going to tell me that Howie Roseman is worse than John Middleton, please, 
888-900-0973 on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. And furthermore, Broads, at least Howie isn't sticking his foot in his mouth every time he talks like Doug Peterson. This is where I think the disconnect is. I think you are right when you say John Middleton is, or at least deserves to be more hated. But I think it just comes down to the nature of the Eagles, how big the fan base is compared to the Phillies fan base, how much people care about the Eagles more than they care about the Phillies. I think it's just more of a connection with the Eagles, so that's why Howie's the answer, more so than how they are viewed doing their jobs. Less people care about John Middleton and the Phillies, whether that's right or wrong. Sure, but don't you think also there's a built-in bias against Roseman? I do think that is like the case. Like, Howie Roseman could save somebody's cat from a tree, could deliver a baby on the side of the road, and people would be like, "Wow!" people would be like, Howie sucks! You know, all, all day long on the Anytime Hotline text board. That is true. Line. Now, there is, there is a bias towards Howie Roseman, but I just don't know if if people are as aware of what John Middleton is doing compared to Howie, who it's obvious this team is struggling. It's obvious that they're pathetic, and when the roster is what it is, you look at the GM. It's it's hard, unless you really follow the Phillies, to truly understand what John Middleton is doing that's so miserable. But I'm with you. He If you look at both, he deserves way more blame and way more hate John Middleton does. Yeah, and I just, and again, I understand the Eagles are the number one team in the city front and center, but I try to be an objective, rational individual. So that allows me to separate my own emotions from this stuff, and I can sit there and say, how he's done some good, how he's done some bad. I can't tell you anything John Middleton's ever done that's good. The moment since this guy decided to become the face of this team, right, ever since we no longer have uh, Mr. Giles and all the folks who used to be in charge of the organization for all those years, now that he's become front and center, why has the team and the franchise come along completely sideways? What has he done aside from help us get Bryce Harper? That is all he did. And that was a huge benefit to him because he knows, yes, I'm writing a check for 330, but guess what? With the amount of money I'm bringing back in, I'm going to quadruple that based off of jersey sales, ticket sales. Well, so he thought, maybe. And I feel he's someone who listens to the fans. There were polls out there, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, and he alluded to the fact that he kind of listened to what the people said. I wonder if we can, as a fan base, push him to do something to change the direction of where this is going. You know, he thinks there's going to be a lot of ticket sales moving forward. What if, as a fan base, we we say, no, we put a stand. We're not doing this. Easier said than done, of course. Of course it's easier said than done. You're, you're, try, you're trying to get millions of people all to agree on something. I mean, come on. Well, millions of it's people to, ag- to agree that John Middleton's a fraud? I don't think it's that hard, dude. I think it's easier for people to agree that they don't want Howie Roseman than they don't want John Middleton. <laughs> I think that's the problem. That's fair. That's a good point by you. 609-403-0973, theplacesugarhouse.com, text board. So we got a lot to get to on the show. Uh, we will get to the Howie Roseman and Middleton stuff throughout the hour, but I got to start with some of this Doug Peterson stuff. You heard what he said. I heard what he said. I've never been the guy who's going to be there and say the coach shouldn't talk to the media. But I think Doug says stuff, and I don't think Doug knows what Doug is saying. I think Doug is so at a loss, and he's trying so hard to not throw anybody under the bus as much as humanly possible. But when he says stuff like this, You know that Doug Peterson 
is up creek without a paddle. In order to get him success, right, you've got to you've got to attempt and try to establish a little bit of the run game. That that helps, and and, and he can be he can be a part of that. I think, and um, just just go out and maybe try to find some some easy completions, right? The 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 quick game or a screen here and there, something that can just kind of get him into the flow of of the game. You know that tells me, Broads, off the top, the fact that he is saying for Jalen Hurts. Establish the run, get him some easy throws, get him into the rhythm of the game. That is a shot at Carson Wentz. He is literally telling you without telling you that Carson Wentz, they can't do this for him. Now, I don't know if that's because Carson Wentz is not open to it or if because the Eagles have put too much on his plate and asked him too much to do of him. Whatever the reason is, the fact that you're saying this about Hurts, but you won't say it about Wentz, That, to me, speaks volumes. Yeah, no doubt about it. The way I see this is your head coach is saying, to make things easier for the quarterback, this is what we're going to do. Well, can't you apply the same logic to the quarterback that has been struggling? Wentz has had so many issues by himself, but they didn't do a great job at putting him in better situations based off of his limitations. So, you're telling me, here's Jalen Hurts, here's an opportunity for him to get his first start, I'm going to run the ball more. I'm going to work in screens so I can help him be put in these better situations. And I knew when we were talking about if they were ever going to make the change, I knew that they would adapt a game plan to make life easier for this kid because if not, you're going to totally screw him. So I knew that this was going to happen, and it frustrates me that they're willing to accept it now, but they're unwilling to accept the same thing when Carson Wentz is under center. I've asked two different guests on game night, which will not be on tonight because of the Sports Bash being on 2 to 6. I'm on with Broad, so we have a best of the Sports Bash from 6 to 7. But I've asked two different guests this on game night. Why is it that Sean McVay is still telling Jared Goff what to do in his ear five years in? But the Eagles have at no point taken any of the burden of the offense off of Wentz's shoulders. It's like two different organizations treated quarterbacks completely differently. And they're still doing the same thing. Now, to the Rams' credit, they realized early on, and they owned it, that Jared Goff has limitations. And Sean McVay has molded him into a solid, good NFL quarterback, right? Yeah, those limitations got him to a Super Bowl. Correct. Carson Wentz, they've, to my opinion, it feels like they've given him too much. They've given him too much of the reins. And at some point, it seems like this organization refuses to pull any of those responsibilities back. And just to add another layer to this, you know, the Jason Peters and Alshon Jeffrey stuff was brought up as well. And it seems like, hey, they might make changes there. It's such a bad look that now here's Jalen Hurts. And all of a sudden, we're going to get off the bad veterans off the field. Now it's time to move on from Jason Peters. Now you're going to give more Fogum and give more Nate Herbig to the backup quarterback, knowing the conversation has been, you're not supporting your franchise quarterback enough, and now it's time. It just adds another layer to this dysfunction that's occurring. Also, didn't Doug Peterson say previously that Carson Wentz has a say in the offense? As if they communicate on what they want to do? Doing the game plan, right? Yep. Was part of that game plan when saying, I want Alshon on the field. I want Jason Peters on the field. So then, do you have to wonder, 
Did the Eagles literally listen to Wentz too much, maybe? Maybe some of the problem with this offensive play call in between 20 people is maybe Wentz is involved, too, and Wentz is saying, I want Alshon on the field? I don't know if that's the case. I see why you would put everything on the table to look at what could possibly be occurring here. So I understand why throwing things at the wall, see if it sticks. I don't know if that one's sticking for me personally, but it might for others. I I don't think the problem here is... Carson Wentz has too much say in the offense, and that's why it's this pathetic, because I don't know if Carson Wentz would honestly drop back 50-plus times. You saw the other day, it was the first drive that actually had flow. He killed both plays, and they were running plays, and they worked. That showed me that the mindset of the coach when they were calling plays, it wasn't even a run to begin with, so we're crediting Doug Peterson for having this offense in the first drive that was 7 rushes seven passes when Carson was the one to kill into those runs. Well, did, did he did he kill into the run or were they two run plays? What do you mean? Like what what if what if they called in two different run plays? Oh, okay, Wentz, so you're killing it to a different run play? Right, we don't know. Sure, that's and, fair. And that, part of the problem is that there's so much we don't know. And I talked about this with Scott Grayson multiple times. You know, Scott, before 2020, he traveled with the Eagles to London. He traveled with them to Los Angeles. He stayed on the West Coast when they went to Seattle to L.A. in 2017. So he's been in the locker room for years. Like most of these guys cover the team. There's nobody in the locker room. There's nobody in the Obacare Center. We have no stinking clue what exactly is going on. And I think that's one of the frustrating things for me, listening to Doug talk, watching this team play, is that there's a part of you that's like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Who's in charge here? It's like, you know, Vince Lombardi on the NFL Films. What the hell's going on out here? exactly what it is now there's something that really irked me and I know that it might seem minor and maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion I want to get your thoughts or on maybe this. you're not we'll Ma- find maybe out. I'm not so he was asked about Carson Wentz backing up right and he said let's see how the week goes but I expect it'll be the case let's see how the week goes that is essentially opening up the door of the possibility that maybe He's not even active, and he's now inactive, and Nate Sudfeld's your backup quarterback. If that isn't even a thought, Doug, the answer right away is he's our backup quarterback. But you literally said, let's see how the week goes, as if it's possible that maybe he's inactive. And if they think that's the difference in him learning, well, then they are way out of touch. You're only messing with the psyche even more if you inactivate him. So I am so confused and baffled. Is that just the product of... Doug Peterson being this horrendous in front of the media? It's a good question. He's Hunter Brody. I'm Josh Hennig. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. I'm filling in for Mike Gell here on a hump day Wednesday. Text board is open. 609-403-0973 in the playsugarhouse.com. Text board 609-403-0973. Now to follow up that question, I have a question for you. Now, you're asking about Wentz's psyche. I would argue, just to play devil's advocate, not saying I probably believe this, but I've mentioned this on game day multiple times. Is maybe Wentz just too sensitive? Is he too thin-skinned? Is he? Is there a problem that this franchise has to walk on eggshells around this guy because maybe he's not as strong-minded and as tough and all these things as maybe they had hoped? I do think that that plays a role. Here's one thing that I want to bring up, though, when it comes to the psyche of the quarterback. And and I'm not saying this is essentially the same thing, but there is a way to relate it. So Tom Brady, we can all agree, is, is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He's a winner. He does his thing. There was a time where Jimmy Garoppolo was his backup. 
and he wasn't cool with that. He shipped he shipped him out. I don't want this guy here. And you're talking about a guy who would never need to look over his shoulder, who would never need to question if he's going to play or not. But he wasn't satisfied with him hanging out behind him. Now, I'm not comparing Tom Brady to Carson Wentz in terms of the mental side of the game, but I do think there's something to be said about the greatest of all time not even willing to have that behind him. There's something about this is my team. This is, There is a locker room culture, and when you draft Jalen Hurts, it automatically splits into Wentz and Hurts, where it shouldn't be. And now they look, it's almost as if, and to answer your question, I do think he's a little soft, and just to add a little bit more, I, I think he's allowing the franchise to walk over him. He's a nice guy, good teammate, clapping when Jalen Hurts scores a touchdown. Tom Brady shows fire, pissed off, he doesn't accept anything. Carson Wentz likes to be the good teammate, be the good guy, and I wonder if that's a, it's hurting him, if it's a downfall. Oh, I think it definitely yeah, hurts him. And that's another part Because you can be a good teammate and still be a fiery competitor. Right. He like, seems to just want to be the good teammate. Right. Like, for example, you've heard me have Gary Myers on the show multiple times. Well, he wrote a book called Brady versus Manny. And, it, and in the book, he talks about how Tom Brady introduces himself to every new teammate. Hi, I'm Tom Brady. And dudes are like... I know who you are, Tom. But Tom thinks, this is Tom's words, he thinks it's important to bring himself down to the level of every teammate because you never know when you're going to need that guy to help you win a game. And he believes that you have to, you can, you got to you know, build that camaraderie so when you're on the field and the, you need the guy to do something, you can really get hard with him. You got to build that foundation. That's Tom Brady saying that. So Tom Brady himself is Mr. I love my teammates behind the scenes, but on the field, it's like, hey, bleepity blankety bleep. Right. So you can be a good, nice guy off the field, but you got to be able to turn the switch on on the field. And I feel like from Carson Wentz's body language and his attitude, it's like, Carson, you got to take control of this situation because you mentioned Tom Brady when it was Garoppolo behind him or was Bruce Arians criticizing this year. You know what Brady does? He gets pissed, and he goes out there and has an MVP caliber game or season. You know, every time Bruce Arians has criticized Tom Brady, the very next game, he has a great game. I don't think that's a coincidence. I agree. And, and, and to be fair, I, I don't think it's reasonable to compare Tom Brady. Like That's why I said you can relate it, but at the same time, they're not the same. That's one of the reasons why Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Same with Michael Jordan. Th those two are wired differently, where they make stuff up in their head so they can compete at a higher level. So... It's not exactly the same, but it does have relatable conversations in the mix. I, I believe that Carson Wentz has this personality that allows this organization to somewhat walk all over him, and it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, and, and I do think he needs to get stronger with the mental side of the game. I just don't know. Let me throw this scenario at you. If they want to fix Carson Wentz, right, and they want to get a new regime to fix him because they're tied to him financially, so let's say they fire Doug Peterson. Let's say they fire Howie Roseman, and they get rid of everything. They get an OC, a head coach, even a D coordinator, a new GM. Do you think Carson Wentz can get fixed here in Philly with a whole new regime? Or do you think he needs a legit change of scenery and to go play for a whole other organization? Because I don't know if the city of Philly works for him anymore. I would lean toward the latter part of what you said, that I think he needs to just uproot and go somewhere else. Because, number one, he doesn't fit the city. He's from North Dakota. He grew up in a very isolated environment. He grew up in a world where he was very sheltered and bubbled. 
he went to North Dakota State because he had a huge growth spurt after high school. People forget that Wentz was a scrawny little dude coming out of high school. I'm still waiting for mine. <laughs> right, exactly. But Wentz, it was like he kind of had the Anthony Davis effect. He grew way late in the growth process, you know, because Anthony Davis, for those who don't know, he was a point guard for years. He was a little guy. And then one offseason, he grew six inches, Anthony Davis. Wentz was similar. He he used to be this tiny little guy, and then one day it's like, here's big, thick Carson Wentz. All right, well, well, I guess you're the quarterback now, North Dakota State. All right, here we go. So, you know, for Wentz, he didn't have, for example, to compare it, the upbringing of Jalen Hurts. Football head coach dad, grew up in Texas, went to Alabama, Oklahoma, was cultured, was fed football, fed culture, fed society. Carson Wentz was fed beef in the middle of nowhere. Go hunting, okay? So when he comes to Philadelphia, it's completely new and different to him. And I think, yes, you're right. I think there's something said for the fact that whether Wentz wants to admit it or not, he does not fit this market. Well, the problem is he's stuck in this market financially because you're not taking that dead cap hit. So you need to find a way to get the best out of Carson Wentz. And if that's a new head coach, a new regime, then you might have to force yourself down that road because you put yourself here. That's how... I, I'm I'm so curious on how they do this moving forward. If they think Doug Peterson's the guy, but they don't know if he will work with Carson because you're tied with Carson, what do you do in that situation? Do you move on from a head coach that you believe in because you screwed up financially with another person? Or do you have a, a $100 million quarterback sitting on your bench? This is going to be probably the most interesting offseason of our lifetimes when it comes to this Eagles team. It really is. You're, you're talking about a major, huge operation done to this franchise. He's on our birdie. I'm Josh Hennig, filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Patch. Hump Day Wednesday on the 97.3 ESPN, 609-403-0973, the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. First hour of the Sports Patch being brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call with four convenient locations to serve you. Visit them online at GMSLaw. Com. Let's get to some of those texts, 609-403-0973. Again, we still have Jason Fitz from ESPN Radio coming up at 3, football at 4 with Eagles insider Jeff Mosher at 4 p.m., and then Dave Weinberg for a Weinberg Wednesday. He's usually on game night. He's on the Sports Bash today coming up at 5 o'clock, 609-403-0973. Texter says, talking about Howie Roseman conversation at the beginning of the hour, no matter what Howie Roseman does the rest of his career, he can never be the most hated person in Philly sports simply because he deliver us our long-awaited Super Bowl. It's as simple as that. Well, Texter, I agree with you, but as of right now, hit the refresh button, 74% of the voters on this poll at 973 ESPN Twitter say, no, you're wrong. He is the most hated figure in Philadelphia. Uh, so it feels like there's a disconnect from text board to Twitter. I, I do have a little bit of an issue, though, with he can never be the most hated in Philly because of something he did, you know, years ago. At some point, you know, that runs dry. It does. And I'm not going to go to the extreme of, because I think this is too cliche, but what have you done for me lately? It doesn't need to be to that degree. No, that's a valid one. Sure, I'll yeah. walk with that. But, like, he can never be the most hated? Sure he can, because there's been a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons why we are where we are now is tied to 
some decisions Howie Roseman made, along with others, Jeffrey Lurie, Doug Peterson. It's a collaborative effort, but he is a part of, he might be a part of the greatest moment, but he's also right now a part of one of the most miserable moments and one of the most defining moments of a franchise possibly ever. So he's also part of the downfall, which needs to be added to the equation. Another text at 609-403-0973. Terry in Galloway says, is Doug Peterson creative enough to build an offense for Jalen Hurts? Well, Terry, I'll tell you, you don't have to be creative running offense for Jalen Hurts. You know what you do? Just go watch college. If you look, look at Kyler Murray in Arizona. All Cliff Kingsbury did was say, this is what Kyler Murray did in college. It's what we do in the NFL. You know what Greg Roman did with Baltimore? Lamar Jackson did in college. Let's adapt that for the NFL. Literally all the Eagles have to do is just watch Oklahoma and Alabama tape. Well, that would normally be obvious, but with this coaching staff, that, we don't know what point. we don't know what they do. I, I think that Doug Peterson's offense is your standard NFL offense. You can win games with it, you'll lose games with it, your average. I, I think his offense is just an average scheme. It has flaws, it has some positives to it. I don't think it's anything crazy. It's definitely not creative, it's very vanilla. But it's average. It can score you points on some nights. You might struggle on other nights. And that's how I see Doug's offense. So I think there'll be games where it, it looks good with Jalen Hurts. I think there'll be games where it, it probably struggles. You can't, and Sal Pal said it when he was on with, with Gil the other week. You know, when, when you're running the football the way that you do when it comes to the pass-run ratio, when it's to this level, it's really tough to succeed. And that's a big problem with his offense. 609-403-0973 is the text board. We got Phil in Egg Harbor City. We'll get to your text coming up. Also, uh, a texter is mad at you, Broads. I see it. So we got to get to that guy as well. I see it. Coming up on the Sports Bash here on 97.3 ESPN FM and the 97.3 ESPN mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle City. 97.3 ESPN. Got the He's Hunter Brody. I'm Josh Hennick filling in for Mike Gill here on a hump day Wednesday here on 97.3 ESPN. The text board is popping at 609-403-0973. Don't forget still to come. Jason Fitz, ESPN radio host. Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Bird podcast. You know, Jeff Mosher says he doesn't like the word fixed. He likes the word rebuilt. I like that. Carson Wentz. I like that. Dave Weinberg, you know he's covered the Eagles the entire tenure of Jeffrey Lurie's ownership. So you know he's got something to say about this whole situation. He's seen a lot of quarterbacks come through Philadelphia as Dave Weinberg. So we'll get a lot to that with Dave Weinberg for a Weinberg wins coming up at 5. But right now, we'll get to your text at 609-403-0973 on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. Place your legal sports bets at PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now and the match first buys up to $250. Must be 21 or to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really quick, I just thought of this before we get to the text board. Totally off topic. So yesterday you wore the Harvard hat. I did. Today you're wearing the Harvard shirt. I am. Is the Harvard the only maroon you have? No, I got some old school Phillies. Oh, okay, so you hid, you hid away your Philly stuff like I did because of Middleton. You're pretty embarrassed. Much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay, got it. So I normally go for the combo, though. The Harvard hockey, Harvard hockey combo. But I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. I normally do. That's a go-to. It's a go-to look. Well, you're wearing the beanie hat, and I assumed the beanie hat was because it was snowing for a hot minute outside. It, it was snowing. I'm a little disappointed, though, because I needed to snow more. I'm a snowsman. I mean, I lived in Vermont for a couple years. I love that snow, that negative 30. My hands are stuck to the gas pump. I love that. I don't know why. I'm a, I'm a moron. I would like to give Alaska a shot. 
Yeah? Yeah. I can see you being an Alaska's man. I would give it a shot. All right. I'd like to try it. Get as far away from this Eagles organization as possible. <laughs> far away from John Milton as possible. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> Howie Roseman, too. 609-403-0973 is the text board. Uh, we got a couple texts to get to. Promise we get to them. I want to first start with this longer text. Not going to be the whole text, but I'm just going to give you the the Reader's Digest version. Did he write a novel or she? Uh, he did. Okay, he did? The, the gentleman. And listen, before I read the text, I want to say the gentleman was very... Thorough in his explanation. So I appreciate Thorough. We don't have so much time to read all the text on the air. So uh, Texture says, listen, Wentz is a damn good quarterback. The only thing he needs is a front line that can block and give him time to throw. That's what Brady has, and that's what makes him so damn good. Don't be knocking Wentz because Wentz is the damn good quarterback if he had a strong front offensive line. Well, the counter to that is there's been moments this season where he has had time in the pocket and the ball sailed or he didn't scan the field properly. But I do think after so many games of only having two seconds before the line collapses, at some point that's going to play a role. And there's a lot of people who study film at a high level that are claiming that when Carson Wentz gets the ball and it's snapped to him, he is looking down at the line at the pressure. And I just think after so many weeks of getting abused, that naturally you start thinking about it and it all plays a role. So when you do have time, you're anxious because you know you don't have that much more, which results in some bad throw. So it's one big domino. Yeah, and look, Wentz has been sacked, what, 50 times now That's this year? a lot of times. But I would argue that half of those sacks are his own fault. That's fine. I can, I can get behind that. Because he is a part of the problem. There's so many times he's holding the ball like you said. He, he doesn't scan the field properly. So Tom Brady is a guy who goes option one, option two, option three, and then tries to get the ball out of his hand as fast as possible. Wentz is constantly trying to launch it down the field. Now, that's the play calling thing. How much of that is the play call is verticals and not enough slants and crossing routes? I don't know. I, I haven't diagrammed every single play this year, but I feel like there are times when I've seen Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham open, and Wentz either never looks their direction, or my favorite is when he looks right at them and still doesn't throw the ball. So it's like, I have trouble saying that it's just if he had a great offensive line, because at some point, if you're a, quote-unquote, as Dexter says, damn good quarterback, if you're a great, talented, highly intellectual quarterback, you should be making those throws. Right, because Jalen Hurts, he got sacked three times in his limited play. Carson Wentz got sacked four times in his half a play. So the line issues were there for both of them. And you saw the difference in one could still move the football and one couldn't. So there are issues with the team, with the game plan, with the roster, with the injuries. But it can still look better than what it did with Wentz. And part of that was because he was gun shy. Because he didn't want to turn the ball over. Because he didn't anticipate throws. That throw by... Hurts to Rager down the left sideline, that was really impressive. I mean, that's a, hey, go make a play for me type throw, and Carson Wentz doesn't have the confidence right now to to make a, hey, go make this play for me type throw, and, and that is a big difference that you're seeing. The, the swag, the confidence of the two quarterbacks and how that gets displayed out on the field is is so telling. 609-403-0973, the playsugarhouse.com text board. I'm going to try to do my best impersonation with this text. Okay. <clears throat> Hunter's such a Wentz fanboy. Stop making excuses for a bad, unintelligent quarterback. 
He's never been the same since the injury. He's basically RG3 at this point. You shouldn't try and fix a $150 million quarterback that lost the city. That's about right. I think that's probably the tone of voice that he would have threw at me, he or she. I hate the fact that, uh, look, I'm not, I don't care who plays. Seriously, I'm not sitting here and saying that I'm disappointed that Jalen Hurts is the start. Like, yes, obviously I'm disappointed in where we are right now. But I'm rooting for Hurts. He has nothing to do with this. He, You think he would pick this route as his route in the NFL? Absolutely not. So I'm not going to bash the kid that was forced to be in this situation. I'm rooting for the Eagles to get themselves out of this funk, out of this mess. I just don't know how they're going to do it. So I don't care if this organization succeeds under Jalen Hurts or succeeds under Carson Wentz. I don't have a dog in the fight. I care about the Philadelphia Eagles. But I hate that if you... Look at the reasons why I feel Carson Wentz had a downfall. That automatically means I'm making excuses. You don't go from where you were to who you are now without there being reasons why. Yeah, you know what? Some of those reasons are solely on Carson Wentz just not being good enough. Not making the proper reads. But some of that is also team-based. Some of that also is scheme. Some of that is also lack of playmaker. Like, it's all one big thing. So, because I think there's reasons why this happened, it's not an excuse. There's a reality. There's a cause and effect for everything in life. So, it's not being a Wentz fanboy. I'm looking at this logically on why did this happen? How did this happen? And some of it is a part of what is around him. I, I don't think it's that crazy to say there's reasons why this happened. Now, if I could take my take on this, yes. I'll let you defend yourself. Comparing Wentz to RG3 is ridiculous. Because number one, they're completely different quarterbacks. RG3 was running a spread offense where he had limited options and he was asked to run a lot. Carson Wentz came to the NFL and was told, you take the reins of the offense because we believe you're so intelligent and that you're so good of a quarterback that you can handle it, right? And we saw him go through his issues year one. Remember when he got a quarterback coach before 2017? He fixed his mechanics. He came back. He was better than ever. He was amazing. Then he got injured. 2018, the highest completion percentage of his career. In 2018, Carson Wentz, in the same number of games as Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck, who were both coming off of injuries as well in 2018, Wentz had fewer turnovers and fewer interceptions than both of them. So I can't believe it was the injury. Because in 2019, he has an up and down year. The Alshon Jeffrey fiasco, Dolphins loss. And then December, all of a sudden, Wentz gets hot throwing the Robert Davis and Deontay Burnett and Marcus Green. I mean, who the heck are these guys? So I have trouble believing it's the injury. I believe it's mental. Because while RG3, yes, it was an injury, but also because he was a running quarterback and he was asked to run more than they should have run him in Washington, and that's the Shanahan's fault. And then Jay Gruden never gave him a chance, basically, and said, Kirk Cousins is my guy. Carson Wentz has been giving chance after chance, after chance, after chance. And I believe they waited too long to bench him. I could have seen it happen a couple weeks before, but I also understand, like Rob Motti said to us yesterday on Football at Four here on 97.3 ESPN, that 
he deserves the opportunity to work out of this. Now, at this point, I think he already had enough chances. But weeks ago, I could still get behind, hey, let him go out there. What do you have to lose? You're stuck with this guy. You need to find out if he can work out of the funk. So a few weeks ago, I would stay with that narrative. Now, though, I'm starting to lean towards they did it around the right time. So I'm with you there. I've seen him succeed after the injury. I do wonder, though, how much of his run game now, because there was a point where he was very mobile, right? He would definitely take off. He would use his legs more. Then once he got hurt, they tried to dial that back, become more of a pocket passer. Now, and you saw it at certain times throughout the year, they wanted to be more aggressive again. Well, the message was, hey, use your legs. Oh, you got injured? Let's not use your legs anymore. You can't get hit. Now it's, oh, you know what? Use your legs again. But that's the mixed messaging altogether. It's the... Uh, Wentz on the rollout, Wentz use your legs, Wentz stay in the park pocket, Wentz scan the field, Wentz you got to throw it to this guy, Wentz you got to do that. At some point when you have Doug Peterson, Rich Scangarello, Press Taylor, and a partridge in a pear tree in your year, I kind of have to wonder, did the Eagles scramble Wentz's brain? I would have to think yes. Yes, they did. But see, going back to the texture and how this all ties together, that would make you a Carson Wentz apologist and someone who is a fanboy of Carson Wentz because you would look at it from a logical standpoint saying, well, why is this happening? Well, it matters that there's a lot of heads or there's a lot of voices in his head telling him what to do. That all adds context to why the downfall occurred. It doesn't mean we have some special love for the guy. I want the Eagles to succeed. I don't give a damn if Mike Gill is playing quarterback or Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts. I don't care. Just succeed. So I don't care if it's Wentz or not. That doesn't make me a fanboy. Phil from Meg Harbor City asks a valid question here. 609-403-0973. How can you say that Wentz is no longer referring to a fit in the city of Philadelphia when he just had a phenomenal season not too long ago? It's a great question, Phil. My answer for that, because I'm the one who brought it up, so I'll answer it. And then you, and listen, folks can chime in as well. 609-403-0973. It's because in 2017, he only been in the city for about two years. Now he's in year five. He's had more time to experience the ups and downs. He's had more time to be worn down by the media. He's had more time to experience life outside of football. Well, could he? Could the texter be talking about at the end of last season and not too much 2017? I could be wrong. Maybe I'll well, interpret Either way, it doesn't matter. Okay. To, to me, I don't. I find it odd that Wentz constantly brings up, I don't pay attention to the media. I don't read the media. I didn't hear what they said. I think he's just trained to say that. But is he trained to say it, or has he legitimately just cut it all off? Pro- probably both. I think he's trained to say that, and he probably cut it all and, off. And did he cut it all off because it was affecting him, maybe? I don't know. He seems to be the guy that honestly doesn't care regardless. I don't see him as a guy that ever really cared what people said. And maybe that's because—or, I mean, I guess you could look at it the other way, where he goes from North Dakota to this, and he's like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. They keep killing me and crushing me and diving into me, and that impacted him. But I tend to lean—me personally, I tend to lean like he's always someone that sort of allowed it to run its course, and he wasn't paying too much attention to begin with. I like this question on the text board at 609-403-0973. Guys, the most important relationship in sports is the coach and the quarterback. I have no idea how these guys feel about each other. I never see them communicating in the game. And they never really praise each other. Does Doug think Carson Wentz is uncoachable? Does Carson not like Doug's play calls? I love this question. 
Because I've mentioned multiple times, I've only seen Doug and Wentz talk to each other twice in a game. And it's because both of them happen to be in the same place at the same time. Every time I see Wentz come to the sideline, he's either talking to Press Taylor or Nate Sudfeld. Or screaming at Press Taylor. Saw that last game. Or he's talking to Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, always Nate. Nate's like, his buddy. Like, first of all, what's Nate going to tell you? He might be quarterback two this week. He might be, but maybe he's quarterback two because Wentz can't be quarterback two. <laughs> maybe Wentz isn't capable of figuring this stuff out on his own. So maybe there is something to the fact that because every time when Jalen Hurts comes off the field, the first person who's talked to him the entire year is who? Doug Peterson. I don't think that's a good optic. I don't know if it's a coincidence. I don't know if that's reality, but the texter's right. Is there something wrong with the relationship between Dougie P and Carson from North Dakota? Which is interesting because Doug's strongest part of his coaching is getting everyone together. So everyone else believes in this coach. And even now, to this point, it's ugly and this team looks bad. But in terms of fight, they still fight. They still give it. It's not like they completely gave up in terms of, you know, playing the game hard. They're just bad at it. There's a complete difference of the Jets giving up on their team and the way the Eagles are playing. It, it is different even though it's super ugly. So the, the rest of the team looks a certain way at Doug Peterson. It's weird to think that the quarterback, who is the most tied to him, looks at it in a totally different way when that's his strongest suit and that's what he does so well. But, you know, to look at it from uh, from another angle, the relationship between those two are, is significantly different than how Brandon Graham experiences Doug Peterson every day. So the impact on one another is a lot more intense than the rest of the team. So maybe that plays a role in the intensity of, of their relationship, if that makes sense. He's on a birdie. I'm Josh Hennick filling in for Mike Gill on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Our Eagles conversation is being brought to you by East Coast Roofing, Siding, and Windows serving all of South Jersey. If you call, they'll show up. Visit them online at eastcoastroofing.com. 609-403-0973 is the place your house.com text board. We got Tom from Summers Point, and we have more text to get to coming up here on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle City. Turn it off. Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Welcome back into the Sports Bash. Coming up in about 10 minutes, Jason Fitz, ESPN radio host. We'll ask him about all this stuff. I also asked, I got to ask you about that, that Christmas suit. That's right. Have you seen it yet? Oh, no, I have not. I'll do it right before we lead up to it. That's your homework. That's my homework. Next break. You've given me homework before I that, have. that I did not do. No, this is true. You still haven't watched a single GSP fight. Not one. Not one. I'm a UFCsman, though. Okay, sure. You say that with a big smirk on your face. No, I'm a UFC's man. I, it, uh, my, that initial like reaction, the juice that I had when I was really a UFC's man in the beginning, it's died out it's a bit, off a little but bit. I still love it. You know what I mean? Right. I'm just not watching old fights every day like no, I was. No, you're watching old Flyers games. I am watching old. You know what I watched last night? Gil would probably kill me if he heard this. What? 2011 US Open, Rafael Nadal versus Djokovic, five hours. I remember that match. Action. 2011. I'm sitting there clapping on my couch after a nice serve. 
Yup, five hours of my life last night. Uh, Unbelievable. I had a great time. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm enjoying it, so that is what I'm doing. I'm watching old games. I When I'm not watching live games, I, I will admit the only sports thing I'm watching is sports documentaries at this point. Okay. Like, I'm, I've, caught, I'm, I've caught up on all the Peyton's places last season and this season. I kind of left off at one point. I had to catch up. Uh, I finished watching the UFC Embedded. Incredible. I mean, the, the things they review on there about Fight Island, I didn't even know. Yeah, it, it was it was very solid. So deep. Very solid. And honestly... If I, I watched because I'm a UFCsman, but yeah, go ahead. Right. So... But if I'm not watching sports stuff, I'll admit I'm I'm watching my other things. But I like to I branch off into other things. Like right now I'm grinding who's Yeah, it's called Love Island. Who's well Love Island. Whose line is it anyway? I'm cracking up late night at whose line is it anyway. I'm going through curb your enthusiasm again for the ten thousandth time. So I branch out. But when I watch games, I can't know what happened. So I went back to 2011, watched the first round between the Capitals, and I don't remember what happened in Game 3 in 2011. Watch these GSP in, fights. In the first round, so I just go back and watch. But you I, like the UFC fight pass, you got to watch the GSP I fights. I know, I know. I'll get back into the groove, I promise. Yeah, it'll be 2021 part of your, your goals for 2021. Correct. <laughs> That'll be my New Year's resolution, to watch what Josh tells me to watch. Uh, 609-403-0973. Tom and Summers Point chimes in and says, throwing the ball 83% of the time says it all. That's not an excuse for Wentz. That's a fact. Tom brings up a good point. Love you when Tom brings up good points. You can't expect any quarterback. Carson Wentz. You know Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 50 times the other night? 50 times! That's crazy. And you wonder why the Steelers lost. Right. Because... Well, they did drop a lot of passes. They did, but maybe if you don't throw the ball 50 times, they have less balls to drop. How about that? I like that. 